trigger warning, trigger warning. This is a reminder, you have got a trigger. Do you know what your trigger is? It's that soft spot, that bruise that makes you see red when it gets pushed. And I don't know what your trigger is, only you know that. This podcast strives to have thoughtful adult conversation about human issues. But I'm not a professional, and I would describe lots of the topics here as things that would trigger someone. So if you find yourself being triggered by any of the issues that we talk about here, I'm asking you now to please take that opportunity to simply find something else to listen to. Also, this is not professional advice, ever, even when we talk to professionals. This is only casual conversation that is meant to promote for mindfulness and examine our own egos. Thanks. missionary girl oh you got an update yeah i ended up uh reaching out to her because i was like well i've got nothing to lose at this point i barely talked to her so i so i sent her a message i'm like something like oh you want to have a a zoom date you know i've i've had these feelings i should have told you a while ago something like that and she's she responded i've only ever seen you as a friend you know cue the delusion sound (laughs) (laughs) Bobby I love the boldness though yeah what happened I don't know I just got I just realized I have to be more aggressive about things go after things a little bit harder when I did that story I thought about the whole thing I'm like when I listened to it again I'm like I should have just been from the get-go instead of this whole like pattern I always get into that is so cool man god I love to hear that (laughs) That's a very definite difference in your behavior, yeah? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I uh, I was glad I did it. Kind of closed the, the door on it anyway and just kind of not, not have to wonder anymore. Your necessary delusion Your necessary delusion Why do you keep lying to yourself? Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here with me, Earth Monster. I'm your host, Matt LeBlanc, and I'll admit, lately, I have been riddled with stress. Migraines, irritable bowels, biting my nails, cold sore outbreak. All symptoms that I have been struggling to rewrite my fear with curiosity. This is Your Necessary Delusion, the storytelling show that celebrates vulnerability and speaks to the darkest messiest little parts of your heart about the lies that we tell ourselves every day, the stories that we use to get out of bed, the fantasies that we let propel our lives. We've got an update episode for you today. My friend Bobby told us a truly epic two-part story in season one called Mormon Curiosity about a time when he joined the Church of Latter-day Saints, got baptized as Mormon, and even secretly drove from California to Utah by himself because he was falling in love with one of the missionaries that had recruited him. And maybe he was searching for a deeper meaning in his own life as well. Anyway, if you haven't listened to that episode, I would recommend you go check it out. Bobby is an actor, but in his personal life, he has always had a difficult time saying what he thinks. I think we've all been there. You're hanging out with a group of people and everyone's kind of like saying their thing. And then like, I'm always like, okay, here's my moment to say my thing. But then it's past and the conversation is about something else. And I don't know, I, I, that's always been frustrating to me. I feel like I can't push my way into the conversation. But maybe he's taking small steps now. 
After his episodes went up in season one, he listened back to his own story again. It sounds like it gave him some clarity and inspired him to take accountability and action. People aren't mind readers. You have to say what you want. So, he shot a shot, even if it was coming a little late. He reached out to the unsuspecting missionary and told her, I like you. Like he said, he found out that she had only ever seen him as a friend, but that was helpful information that could have saved Bobby a lot of time, effort, and energy if only he had told her how he had felt from the very beginning. But that is obviously easier said than done. So Bobby has a hard time saying what he wants, but what kind of earth monster are you? I can usually say what I want, but I am a compulsive earth monster who can also procrastinate. In fact, I am camped out in my home recording studio right now trying to push and finish this episode before it posts tomorrow. I've never done this before, and I'm not going to include that part. Delusion! What kind of earth monster are you? I'm kind of messy in, in the sense that I won't clean the room until I have to. Just because, I don't, I don't know, like, I have ADD, and I know that's kind of a, disorganization is kind of a symptom of it, or, so I'm a little, I'm disorganized, so I just kind of let things pile up till I can't stand it anymore. He lets things pile up until he can't stand it anymore, and only then does he take a definitive action. So I'm kind of messy in that way. Um, like, what if I came to your house or saw your space or your car or something? What area of your life is, like, very messy, usually? the closet, the trunk of the car. I'm doing, uh, I got a new job. I'm teaching uh, enrichment after school to like kindergarten through fifth grade. Oh, cool. So I've got all this like art stuff in my car now and it's like a total disaster, especially the trunk. Bobby, I'm curious about the, the messy thing and the ADD thing because I feel like something that you had talked about previously was, um, do you remember you were talking about being in the hotel in Utah and I feel like you got really skeeved out yeah. by the germs. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, is that a consistent thing for you that maybe you're messy, but maybe you're clean though, right? Like yeah. you don't like germs? Yeah, I'm kind of a germaphobe. In fact, um, yeah. Yeah, like I don't so you... like using public restrooms unless I have to, but I try and avoid it. <laughs> I use them to pee, but I don't like using them for the other thing unless, oh, sure. it's a, oh, okay. unless it's an emergency and you know obviously then i have to <laughs> so you're a very messy earth monster but you're a fastidiously clean earth monster yeah right uh -huh. what other kind of earth monster are you um kind of a mess in my mind sometimes jumping from one thing to the next what makes you jump from one thing to the next i'll work on something and then it's like oh i have to do this though and then but also i have to do that and then it's like, I know I just need to do one thing at a time, but it's hard. It's hard to stay on the one thing. It's almost like you're you're manifesting the mess that is happening in your mind. Yeah. It's like you're manifesting it in your real life, in your trunk. <laughs> yeah, in the, in the room too that I'm looking at right now. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, yeah. Such a simple direct correlation between his thoughts and his actions. The mess in his mind manifests the mess in his trunk, and he only cleans it when it piles up so high that it becomes inconvenient or he can't stand it anymore. Talk to me about your other habits. I got a coffee obsession, but later in life wasn't till probably my late 20s that I started drinking it. And now I'm just obsessed with it. I have to have it every day. Uh, Is it a caffeine thing? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Because I drank, I still do a little, I would drink Diet Coke before that, which I know also has caffeine. What else are you ingesting on a daily basis? Food, drink entertainment like like what do you eat for breakfast it depends sometimes i have 
toast or sometimes I have an egg, fried egg on toast. <laughs> Do you eat one fried egg on one piece of toast? Yeah. Yeah. I just like fold it over. Light breakfast. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I eat weird. Like sometimes I'm like, I'm just not hungry and then I'll get hungry later in the day. It's probably better to be more balanced. I don't have my first big meal until like one or two or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then what's, and then what is that meal? That's, we'll call that lunch. <laughs> I don't know. I get bored with things like pretty fast. Sometimes I get those, those things at Starbucks, you know, those boxes, they have a chicken and hummus one. I know it's probably better to just get that. You can get that stuff cheaper at the market, but I don't know. It's so convenient. I don't mean to slip into marketer mode here, but it sounds like convenience is something that he values greatly. Maybe it's his mess that keeps him from planning ahead. Sometimes I'll get the basic cheeseburger at McDonald's. It's a delusion because it's so small. It's like, this can't be bad. It's like how tiny it is. But uh, of course, yeah. it's terrible. <laughs> Do you eat one? Yeah. Do you get fries? Yeah, I get the small fries. But it's all pretty bad anyway. <laughs> Am I the only one who loves to hear about this level of mundane nuance? It's so telling. Starbucks boxes and McDonald's cheeseburgers, avoiding public restrooms, and he drives home to go number two in his messy car filled with art supplies. What kind of earth monster are you? So there's a another woman, girl, whatever, in my life, and similar pattern of getting into the whole friend thing. Bobby has romantic feelings, doesn't know how to share them, and inevitably gets caught in the friend zone. She's an actor as well. And then over the pandemic, she didn't have a reel, so I kind of helped her just film some stuff badly, but just to get, like, some footage. Just a friend helping a friend with her reel, and a convenient way to keep in the picture, just in case one day they end up falling in love. If you haven't listened to Mormon Curiosity, this pretty much all follows the pattern to a T. And so we worked on that, and we also, like, read for each other, too, for auditions. For all the non-actors out there, finding someone to read with you for auditions is not a small or passive task. If you're auditioning consistently, then the favor can be as small as asking someone to spend 30 minutes with you to record a short tape, or as much as spending two hours with you while you set up lights, run lines, talk about the scene, and record a usable take. These auditions can come at any time, day or night, and speaking from personal experience, the repetition of this favor can be a strain on a relationship. There are actually services available now for actors to pay someone to read with them and film their auditions. So Bobby and this friend of his were reading for each other. We would meet like once a week and like just work on acting career stuff just to motivate each other. And that went on for, for a bit. And um, I, I don't know. She's a tough read, I think. Like she's told me she has commitment issues and she ended up kind of stopping it. She sort of put a stop to their weekly meetings. It wasn't like, I, I don't want to do this anymore, but it'd be like, I can't meet this week. I can't be meet this week. And then it kind of fizzled out. Anyway, so felt like she kind of went MIA. She wasn't communicating, but she told me like she has this like on and off thing with her best friend that she's known since high school. And so just from her social media posts, like I kind of knew she was spending a lot of time with him. I was like, well, I don't know. Are they going to get together? I can't wait. He decided he couldn't wait. I was thinking about in the story I told, I was like, I can't wait to know anymore, so. It sounds like the pile had gotten too big. Too many hours spent filming her reel and reading for auditions. Too many times she had canceled on him. And too many cryptic posts on social media with her on-again, off-again boyfriend person. 
quietly Bobby was getting pushed to the point of not being able to stand it anymore. And so just like when he cleans his trunk, finally, he took action. I just told her, I didn't say I liked her, but I'm like, this was pretty bold. I'm like, yeah, sometimes, you know, I, I want to kiss you. <laughs> and she, I don't think, I don't know if she was expecting that, but she, yeah. she didn't react like in a, oh my God, why did you tell me that? She's just like, oh, that's, that's really sweet. You know, not interested from what I'm assuming, but at least I did it. So that was, was something I wouldn't have done prior. This is the power of listening to yourself. This is a baby step in the right direction. From the sounds of it, his pattern is changing, speeding up from where it once was. So she said, oh, that's really sweet. And then did the moment just pass? Yeah, well, it was on Zoom because I had been trying to hang out with her. And I'd be like, can we hang out? Can we, I want to get together. I want to. And then I finally had to be like, I really want to talk to you about something. Because it was like me like beating around the bush about just hanging out. She, For whatever reason, she didn't want to hang out. So she's like, well, we can talk on Zoom. I was like, okay. Bobby, do you think you have a hard time reading people? Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Maybe just in terms of relationship things, women. I don't know. Well, it's interesting because I would think that, especially as an actor, I would think that probably some of those skills are sort of sharpened, actually, right? Yeah. To be able to read a room or read somebody's behavior or sort of maybe like understand some of the psychology behind certain behaviors and stuff like that. Do you Uh think like that about people? I do, yeah. I don't know, like with her, I don't know, I guess I did it because we have had some moments. The delusions that we use to believe in unspoken moments of significance, our blind faith, the paths that we forge away from these moments without ever confirming with the other person if they shared the same feeling or not. So much more convenient to assume, right? You know how, well, you've heard about this, right? How some, how women will like initiate touch sometimes if they like you or there's something about you. So one time we when we were hanging out, she was doing that a lot. And I was like, well, maybe this is the time. But then it was kind of like, oh, I have to go. And I felt like I didn't really get the opportunity. Or maybe I just like waited, didn't just go for it immediately. Yeah. Slow to pick up. <laughs> Slow to pick up. I don't know. Hmm. So then you walked away from that experience thinking, though, well, she kept touching me. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, maybe next time. Yeah. Or, and also maybe I just blew the opportunity because maybe it was right. that moment. Right. Maybe. I guess you have to be there. And to really be sure, you probably need some verbal confirmation from her that that is actually what the casual touching was meant to suggest. But we're not talking about crossing boundaries today. That's not the kind of earth monster Bobby is. I think we're talking about creating boundaries. One very specific boundary that Bobby creates for himself, always strategically placed between him and whatever it is that he wants. Who is your closest relationship? Um, let's see. I mean, probably closest in t- like with my sister. Bobby's actually been living with his sister and her family for the past couple of years. But not, like, I wouldn't talk to her about this kind of stuff. Girl stuff. Or, sorry, we're almost 40. Woman stuff. I don't know why. Just never felt comfortable. But then I have a couple of friends that I that I do talk to about stuff. Why wouldn't you talk to your sister about it? Do you think she would be open to the conversation? I think she would. I just, I don't know. I never felt comfortable talking about that stuff with her. I don't know why. Yeah, I wonder what that is. Yeah, because I talked to her about her other stuff, you know, like what's going on in my life. Did you share your episodes with your sister? (laughs) No. His two-part episode, Mormon Curiosity. At the time Bobby had told his story, he had not shared his Mormon baptism with anyone in his life, which is pretty significant. 
He didn't tell them that he had been talking to missionaries, so he certainly didn't tell them that he had a crush on one of them. He didn't even tell them where he was going when he drove 13 hours from Los Angeles to Utah by himself. And after he told the story to the world in season one, he still didn't share the episode with his sister. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Bobby, you should. I know, I should. You really should. Do you have someone in your life that you share everything with? Or most things? Do you have someone that you can talk to? Is it all the same person? I've done this before where I silo my friendships or I silo my relationships kind of. And I, I share a little bit of myself over here. And then I share a different part of myself over here. And somehow it feels like I'm expressing everything that I need to be expressing, but I'm not really giving anybody the complete picture. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think I think I do that. So who do you talk to girls about? Excuse me, women. Um, I have a friend from high school that I talk to, a guy, but he's married now. And like, so it's not as easy. <laughs> it's not as easy as it was. Before. How come? Because he was like single before and sort of dating so that. Yeah. And then I don't know. I feel like he also has kids. So I feel like, you know, people are busy. I don't know. It's just interesting how you're kind of friends with people at certain moments in your life. And then I don't know, things change. And then those friendships kind of dwindle just because of life. It's not like, you know, anything happens, but it's just life. Yeah. Drifts people away. Yeah. Friendships dwindle and life drifts people away. It's funny. It reminded me of of you and I drifting away after um, Upright Citizens Brigade. You know, yeah. How many people I've done that with, and then I move or I change jobs or start a relationship or something, and then focus gets taken somewhere else, and just the relationships that get left by the wayside, kind of thing. Yeah. I think there's something about LA too that it's not like transactional relationships. Maybe it is. I think that's exactly what I was trying to talk about, actually transactional relationships what you're describing about the girl and like helping with self-tapes and stuff like that mm -hmm. it's so common here you meet people and it's a friendship but it's a it's a working relationship too delusion yeah and we're gonna help each other and we're gonna hold each other accountable and it's like the, all these like sort of like things that we put on top of these relationships but then like the relationships are sort of like transactional or something that way where it's kind of like I help you with your self-tapes and you help me with mine. But in the end, the friendship isn't real. It's a convenient transaction. It's someone to read your audition sides with. It is transactional. The friendship part is imaginary. It sounds like Bobby hit that wall pretty hard recently with his friend. It was interesting going back to her. Um, I feel like she, like we all put up walls, but sometimes it's, very noticeable with her like she's almost like it's like she's shut down on a normal day she is very friendly and tells me a lot of things but sometimes she'll just will log on to the zoom to do a self-tape and she'll just be like stone face barely says anything and it's very like jarring and um, maybe this this was a delusion I felt like we were close yeah as friends mm -hmm. but she's like yeah you're not one of my close friends I have this small little circle, and um, you're like a coworker. She said that to me once. I'm like, well, I thought there was a little more than that. But like, I don't know if she was in wall mode or I don't know. No, man, I think you got to take that in. Yeah. You didn't want to take that in, huh? No. <laughs> what did you say when she said that? I was kind of shocked. I was just like, 
uh yeah i mean yeah we we worked together <laughs> i like didn't know what to say i was like something like that yeah we worked together well we worked together well <sighs> completely ignoring what she had actually said to him which sounds more accurately like hey this isn't a social thing dude we use each other to film our auditions it sounds like she was actually trying to set a boundary and being kind of rude about it we have a good we uh, work together well yeah we read for each other <laughs> i don't know i didn't know what to say i was kind of shocked were you insulted? A little, yeah. And were you hurt? Yeah. I felt like she didn't mean it, though. But may, I don't know. Maybe that's a delusion. Why do you think she didn't mean it? Um, I don't know. We've had, like, when we were meeting once a week, we had these conversations, and she initiated them. And she was like, yeah, we're going to make it, and we're going to be working together one day, and yeah, and all this stuff, and, and we're going to remember these times. And so that seemed like closer than... You know, I don't know. Yeah. And, but is that the part of herself that she would sort of share with you were like her aspirations? No, she's she shared personal stuff, too. Like she's talked to me about the on off thing with this best friend guy. To me, it sounds like the subtext was, hey, I'm interested in another guy. And um, she told me stuff about her parents. But it's when she wants to. It's not all the time. And did you share anything personal with her? Yeah, I've shared personal stuff. Uh, with her yeah like what kind of stuff well i told her about the it was after i recorded i told her about the the whole mormon experience which i hadn't talked about i've told her stuff about my family yeah stuff like that do you think that it's so convenient for you to not understand the interactions that you're having with these women mm -hmm. don't you think oh because i think I think you're smarter than that. I think that you're, I think you pick up on behavior better than that. I think your intuition is stronger than that. Yeah. But you sort of don't seem to allow yourself to work at the top of your intelligence in those areas, maybe because you're afraid of what the relationships that would end or the realizations you would have or whatever. Like that girl saying that you were like basically a coworker, like, didn't that make you angry? <laughs> yeah, it did. No, I, I thought about it for a few days, and I've wanted to talk to her about it, but then I don't know. This was probably the beginning of the year. So in reality, he has been thinking about that moment for months now, picking it apart, not addressing it at the same time, helping her with audition tapes and letting his pile grow. And in his heart, I believe he knew exactly what she was trying to communicate to him. Back off, dude. We're not friends. This is just business. But conveniently, his delusion spins the story believes he is missing something so that he doesn't have to take in the rejection. When people tell you who they are, mm -hmm. believe them. Oh, okay. It just makes me think like this girl had the balls to say to you, like, you're not one of my close friends. Like I look at you like a coworker. Okay. <laughs> it's funny. You look at me like a coworker. Cause none of us are getting paid for this. Like go find another partner for your little self tapes or whatever. Yeah, you're right. I, I think I had that thought like, kind of like, well, fuck you then. Um, when she said that, but then like the fear, like, well, what if I don't find a, another self tape partner like that? Or what if she's wrong and I'm going to hang around and <laughs> that's going to change, you know, those other things like we talked about in the other story. That if he hangs out, then maybe she will eventually fall in love with him after all. Delusion. In fact, it occurs to me the other delusion that Bobby is creating here, the delusion that he is creating for her benefit that he's her friend, when in reality, he explicitly does not want to be her friend. If he could snap his fingers and get his wish, he would be her boyfriend. The relationship would not be platonic. 
it would not be taking place over video calls, and their interactions would not be centered around each other reading for auditions. What he's really looking for is connection and intimacy. It's actually a big jump from the truth. I'm not chastising Bobby. This all sounds like basic Earth Monster to me. Hiding our true intentions, wishing for something more than we currently have, holding out hope that one day everything will change, and he will find love and affection reciprocated. You're right, I should have gone with that initial, like, like what you said. Like, that would have been the perfect... I just think you know better than that, right? Like, yeah, I know. You know better than all this. Yeah. I don't know. It's like I'm letting someone treat me... Well, not tr- say something bad and then not call it out. No, I think you're right. Treat you. I think that it's like... Uh, what did my wife said yesterday? It was a saying in Spanish, but she said the translation was something like, the worst kind of blind person is the person who chooses to be blind. And I feel like you're smarter than all this. You're letting yourself not see these situations because you're afraid of not having a self-tape partner. Or what if on the off chance this turned into something romantic and then I threw it away and then this or that. And it's like, come on, Bobby. Yeah, you're right. I know. There's like a million. You get to do anything you want with this ride. I got into a little bit of a weird space here. Believe it or not, I try to keep my opinions out of people's stories. This isn't about giving advice, or at least it was never supposed to be. But I know Bobby in real life, and I care about him. So I talked to him like a friend, and I thought I would cut it all out, but I decided I should stop acting like I know too much about what this show is about and just let the conversations happen. So here's what we said. You're the only one that's taking this ride. Yeah. Nobody else, they're all just going to fall away and be like distant memories of people you used to do self-tapes with. It doesn't matter what any of them think. Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're right. You get to be whoever you want to be, man. Just like after hearing that whole story about the Mormon adventure and everything, and then hearing the way you're talking now that you've got this awareness, you got to live for yourself. You know better than all this, I think. Yeah. And I think that I sort of have a unique position in your life because you sort of let me ask you these questions because we're doing a podcast, right? Yeah. But you're probably not quite as forthcoming with a lot of people in your life because it's just not the relationship that you've adapted with them or whatever, but... Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It's like, you're right. This is my ride. Why am I going to hold on to people that don't want to be a part of it? Because they validate us somehow. Or it's easier to believe in other people than it is to believe in ourselves. Or we're afraid of being alone. Why do we hold on to people who don't want to go for the ride with us? Bobby, I feel compelled to tell you this. Uh, So you remember, I think we were doing improv when I was with... My ex. So, you know, we got married. And at that time, I had a pretty good job and kind of thriving in my career. That was my life on paper. And in reality... I was miserable. I didn't know that. Uh You know, particularly my relationship was just, uh, you know, we'd been together for five years. She was close with my family. We were so supportive of each other, particularly in our careers. We were so supportive and, um, you know, worked together and all this stuff. And and it really wasn't working, you know. Um, And as we were leading up to the wedding, we were fighting all the time. Oh, wow. Or I would come home, I'd have a bad day at work, and I would just like get stoned on the couch. I remember there was a show, I can't even remember what show it was. I looked it up. It was True Detective Season 1 with Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. 
but I remember she watched the entire like season of it. And I could not tell you a single thing about that show because I would get so stoned on the couch and just like try to like zone out for my whole life. The point of this, of me saying this is that could have told you before the wedding that we shouldn't be getting married. It was pretty miserable in the house and, you know, wedding planning only made it worse. And I was had such a foul personality at my job. I was just like really kind of like isolated myself from everyone. And I sort of acted like it was me against the world. And I thought that I was right. <laughs> How could I be the problem? I'm the one that's right, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, so this was all kind of like boiling to a head with the wedding because the wedding was like big and it was multiple events and it was getting bad. It was like as we were getting closer and closer to the wedding, it was like really bad, but I wouldn't see it. I would not see it. And in fact, this is probably something I don't share a lot, but I remember we got in a fight maybe a month before the wedding or something like that. Uh-huh. And she told me that she that she didn't want to get married. Uh-huh. And instead of letting myself hear that, because like, that's a pretty huge thing to listen to really take in from your fiance, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Instead of letting myself take that in, I challenged her and was like, then do it. I don't feel that way. Instead of acknowledging things are so bad between us right now that she's literally telling me she doesn't want to get married. Instead of taking that in, Instead of feeling empathy for this person I was supposedly in love with, instead of taking accountability for my actions, instead of shutting down my delusion that this was all going to work out, I wouldn't listen. I was like, fine, you want to break up with me a month before the wedding? Do it then. I'm not going to do it. I don't know what you're waiting for. Then you do it, you know? What a monster. And so, you know, we got married and it fell apart really quick. Like three months later, basically, oh. I was staying at staying at an Airbnb like five blocks away from my apartment, oh. you know, because we oh. just couldn't live in the house together. And we weren't telling anybody that we were getting divorced because we had just gotten married. And we we're still in that phase where we're walking around and like I would like go out and I would run into someone and they'd be like, oh, my God, how's married life? You know, because we just got married. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't telling anyone what happened, wasn't telling anyone at work what happened so scared to tell my parents and my family, so scared of what all of our friends would think or her family or what would this mean about me? If we'd been together for five years, she was like, I I hugely identified with being her boyfriend or her partner. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I, I started to really see myself that way. And so what did it mean about me if I wasn't that? And all those things too. She's such a nice person. She's such a generous person and a sweet person and all these things and sort of like balanced, you know, delusion balanced me out. Like when I can be too much or I could be too aggressive or something like that. Well, he can't be so bad. Look at his wife, you know? Mm -hmm. So then what did that mean if we weren't together? Yeah. And this is all to say that. So we, you know, we got divorced. My company restructured around the same time and they did it without me. Who could blame them? I was acting like I didn't want to be there. My position disappeared, and before I knew it, I was back out to freelancing. I was being so sort of foul at that point. I just wasn't paying attention to what was actually happening in the world. And uh, this is all basically to say that it was really my worst nightmare, getting married and divorced and losing my great job, you know, my worst nightmare. Mm -hmm. And it was the opposite. (laughs) 
the next three years after that, even though they were some of my hardest years, and I was an emotional wreck, and I went to therapy and started dating online, this whole ugly thing, it's like really some of the best part of my life, I think, was that time too. In fact, it was in this transition that I'm talking about that I woke up from my own delusions, that I realized that I had delusions and confronted them and did the hard work to determine what kind of earth monster I really am. Everything I thought I had going for me before had been a good idea, but it wasn't me. It wasn't sustainable, didn't make me happy or satisfied. In a lot of ways, I think I was operating on autopilot because I couldn't be tactical with enough parts of my life that I didn't like. Does that make sense? I guess I sort of say all of this to you just to say that, like, it is so powerful to completely clean the slate. Disappoint everybody in your whole life that knows you and has a good idea about you. Have the courage to disappoint those people and don't be afraid of disappointing yourself. Take control of your own ride. Yeah. I'm no doctor. I'm not a coach. And I don't have any relevant degree or certificate to point at here. That's not what this is about. I'm glad that I shared my story with Bobby, but I stand by the fact that this show, this conversation, is not about giving advice. To me, it's about learning how to listen. I appreciate Bobby for reaching out to share his update because the first story that he brought to us in season one was extremely personal and very obviously raw. You could hear that it had been previously untold. I can listen back to it and feel the redemption he gets from telling it, from owning his actions. And our conversation today was a good reminder that we do not change in a day. We don't change after telling one story. It's about the small, significant adjustments that we try our best to incorporate that will eventually reroute our behavior. It's been eye-opening working with little kids. Just the way they the way they communicate with each other, the way they try and like I know they can sense I'm a little like I'm not going to be too aggressive and they when they sense that they they like challenge that. They'll run around, especially the kindergartners and like do everything wrong. But I've been get, I've been getting better at uh, like laying down the law. Like today, I was like, I'm going to separate you guys if you don't stop. And they stopped. Just recognizing the pattern and establishing his small but significant change in response. They're just kids, and he knows they're not going to start behaving in an instant. Maybe they're a good reminder not to let his pile get too big. Because waiting until he can't stand a mess is ineffective and usually doesn't elicit the best response. I want to thank Bobby for his story today and for reserving such forthcoming conversation with us here. I get a lot out of engaging with him and listening back to it, so I sincerely hope he will keep coming back to share. Thank you for being here with me today, Earth Monster. If you have love for the show, you can write us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's the Purple Podcast app on your phone. Or you can send us 143 on Venmo at Your Necessary Delusion. If you have feedback on an episode or a story of your own that you'd like to tell, or if you're just looking to clear your mind, please call our voicemail at 323-540-4540. Hey man, it's Peter Brown. It is May 15th. I'm in Atlanta. I just flew in from Baton Rouge. Before that, I was in Durham, North Carolina. Before that, I was, I was in Boston again. And before that, I was in New York City again. 
I'm actually flying back to Minneapolis right now to see my father. But um, so we went to the Whitney Plantation yesterday um, outside of Baton Rouge, which is the only plantation in the state of Louisiana that is a museum devoted exclusively to um, the lives of the people who were enslaved there. And um, I got to tell you, it was really powerful, um, haunting, and I don't know. It just made me reflect on whatever problems I've had and hardships I've endured, um, to be in a physical space that was really haunting, where people were enslaved, killed, tortured, just in the quarters, in the big house. Just to walk through there, there was a place called the Field of Angels that was devoted to over 2,000 children that they know about who died there. And um, I just kind of had to sit down for a minute and say whatever my version of a prayer is, reflecting on my own sister's their kids, all the women I love who are mothers, who are about to be mothers. It was just such a, you know, I don't even know what the words are, but I've never been so taken with a place in the sense of physically being in a place where so much horrible things have happened. It was very, um, I felt haunted. But that's what this trip is about. And it's been really incredible, this leg, to see so many wonderful and new things. But I'm back to the Midwest for a little bit. And I'll be calling you again soon. And I'm just grateful to have the experience to have spent some time in North Carolina, Louisiana, and just see what a different um, way of life it is here compared to our lovely little Los Angeles. Hope you're well. Talk soon. We will be back next week with more epic everyday stories of success and redemption. Until next time.